0: another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is episode number 152 of Search News You Can Use, recorded on Wednesday, September 30th of 2020. This is a very 2020 episode. There's a lot of really weird stuff going on with Google this week. I'm going to do my best to try to explain the issues that people are talking about. We don't have any solid answers yet for what's happening in terms of de-indexing problems, canonical issues, and all sorts of crazy craziness in the Google SERPs. My days, my, my Mondays and Tuesdays, I usually try to spend as much time as I can analyzing what is it that Google did this week. What of our clients that are seeing significant changes in traffic? Can we explain those changes? Can we see patterns? And this week, uh, I'm throwing my hands up <laughs> at this point because there's so much unusual stuff going on. We'll get down to the bottom of some of it. Um, we don't always find the answers, but I've got some interesting stuff to talk about. So in this episode, we're going to talk about these updates. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, about some issues with Google News having indexing issues as well. Um, And we've got some really, really great Q&A in this episode. Somebody's asked about how to better optimize category pages. So I'll give my thoughts on that. We have a question from one of our clients on why they're seeing more impressions this year compared to last year, but fewer clicks. So I'll give my thoughts on that. And uh, we have a mini site review for a website, I Love My Chi, as in chihuahua.com. If you're listening at home, I would encourage you to uh, take out your phone, get your computer out and take a look at this website uh, because at the end of this episode, I'm going to give my thoughts on some things that could be improved on this website uh, and I think it'll help a lot of people who are listening as well. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about, uh, was there an algorithm update? So... Between September 21st and September 24th, there was loads of movement across the sites that we monitor. Thankfully, a good number of the sites that we monitor saw nice increases. We have some that saw uh, dramatic, dramatic increases, although some of those cases we can attribute to uh, either one of them was seasonality, that they do tend to go up uh, at this time of year every year, although it was more this year. The other uh, case that um, I I was all excited to use as an example, it turns out it was just one post that was going insanely viral uh, and caused a big, big spike. If you take those out, though, we have several clients that saw improvements starting, uh, on average, it was around September 21st, but some are between the 21st and 24th, Um, that really seem to be across the board. It's not related to seasonality. It's not related to just a single post doing well. Uh, But um, we're seeing that some sites are seeing changes that really seem typical of what we see when Google does a significant update. Now, Google hasn't announced any updates, but they have uh, admitted to having some issues uh, in regards to canonicals. And what we don't know is whether these are all connected. So let me talk, first of all, about what we're seeing with September 21st. We had, uh, like I said, quite a few clients that saw increases. We did have a few clients that were seeing decreases at this time as well. One of the things that we noticed for some of our clients that are seeing significant increases is that they have an increase in either uh, site links. Or featured snippets. Now, site links, the typical site link that you think of is if you did a Google search for a particular brand. Say you did a search for Marie Haynes Consulting. You would probably see uh, MarieHaines.com comes up first, and then there are links underneath that say, here's the about page, here's the blog, here's the different sections of MarieHaines.com that uh, Google tends to refer people to. Those are typical site links. But there are also site links that um, appear in regular search. Search results where you may not have done a brand search, uh, but you did a search for a topic. And Google will return uh, all these different listings. And then underneath, there can be individual links to different pages on the site or even different parts of pages. Um, We're seeing an increase in those for some of our clients that uh, seems out of the ordinary. One that we pictured in newsletter, if you're a a premium reader of search news you can use, you'll see uh, some screenshots. And these are all, whenever we have screenshots like this, they're shared um, with the permission of our clients. These are anonymously shared. Um, you'll see screenshots of uh, some sites that, uh, uh, one site that did really, really well starting September 21st. And one of the things that we noticed is that according to data that we got from SEMrush, in August, uh, this site was ranking for just a small handful. They had a small handful of keywords that uh, produced site links to inner pages And in September, that jumped up to about 80 different keywords were now producing site links. And those pages that had site links were seeing huge improvements uh, in traffic. And similarly, we had another client that was seeing some decreases uh, and saw a decrease in the number of site links that Google had given them. Now, this could just be coincidental because um, we don't know a lot about how Google decides which sites to give site links to. Uh, There are some changes, too, in featured snippets. We see uh, one of our clients that saw a bit of a drop actually saw a big reduction in the number of featured snippets that they rank for. This is hard to analyze, though, because they can be connected to quality. So, you know, let's say Google decides they, they run some changes in their algorithms and they decide that for whatever reason, this particular website doesn't meet the cut. It's not the highest quality website. Well, if that website previously was had SERP features like site links or featured snippet listings, then the fact that Google now considers them lower quality might mean that they lose those features. So what we're noticing here might just be uh, something that's correlated, not necessarily the cause. Uh, We're gonna keep an eye on this more, but the thing is that it's very hard to analyze because there's some type of a bug happening in Google right now. So Google has told us that uh, they are aware of, uh, I believe they've told us, I know they've looked for examples, uh, but there have been many, many tweets about this canonicalization issue. I'm going to take a step back for anybody who's listening who's just confused about what canonicalization is, uh, because I know I was for quite some time. Um, If I have two pages on my website that are very, very similar, uh, but are essentially the same page but you know maybe one page is just writing to a slightly different audience maybe uh you know it's it's just got some slight changes maybe i've got one page that talks about blue shirts and another page that's exactly the same but it's for red shirts i might put a canonical tag on my red shirt page to tell Google, look, this is exactly the same as the blue shirt page, and if anybody links to this red shirt page, we want that to be attributed to our blue shirt page, uh, basically our page on shirts as opposed to different colors. Hopefully that's not too confusing. But when you add a canonical tag, you're basically saying to Google, look, I know we have multiple versions of this page, but this is the page that should be the one that is the canonical, meaning this is the page that we have chosen, to be, look, if you're going to choose just one page to rank, it needs to be this one. So when that happens, let's say I did have these two pages that are almost identical, and I want Google to treat them as one page. I want Google to consolidate the signals into one page that I uh, can focus on and and rank. When that happens, in most cases, Google will respect the canonical, meaning that uh, only the page that is the canonical will be in Google's index, And other pages that are canonicalized to that page don't get indexed. Unless somebody's very specifically looking for that page. So in my example, if somebody did a search for my brand plus red shirts, Google may recognize well, you know, the red shirt page is canonicalized to this blue shirt page, but it's pretty clear that the user wants the red shirt shirt page, so they may choose to show that. But in most cases, if you've done things correctly and you've chosen to co- chosen to canonicalize a page, uh, then that. Uh, everything other than the page that is the target, the page that you want to be the main page, um, it it really shouldn't be in Google's index for most searches. Now, sometimes what can happen is Google can choose a canonical. uh, That's not what you've chosen. So let's say I had these two pages and one's for red shirts, one's for blue shirts. They're essentially the same. Google's algorithms, and let's say I hadn't added a canonical tag. Google's algorithm's usually can pick up, look, these are the same pages, we're getting the same signals for these pages. There's no point in having both of these pages showing to people when they do searches for this type of thing. And so they may decide to add their own canonical tag to say, look, when people, when we want to surface this red shirts page, uh, you know, we might as well just show the blue shirts page because that's the one that we feel is the canonical. That does happen from time to time. When that does happen, it's almost always because the pages are nearly identical. What's happening here is that people are noticing that pages and important pages, a lot of people are finding their home pages are dropping out of the index. So you do a search for content on this page and uh, all of a sudden the page is gone. And if you look, you know, very specifically, I think if you do, you know, in URL and different search operators to try to get Google to return that page, uh, the original home page, it can work. But it's a bit of a, a, a hassle to do this. So what a lot of people are noticing is that when you go into Google, Google Search Console and you use the inspect URL feature, um, that'll tell you whether Google has canonicalized your page. So if you're dealing with an issue where like, you can't find your homepage all of a sudden uh, on Google Search... And you know, the keywords that it used to come up for, now you're not ranking for those keywords anymore. Then one thing I would do is go to Search Console and use the Inspect URL feature. It's You just click on the URL under the uh, performance report, um, and you'll see a magnifying glass to click on that. Um, and you can inspect the URL. And if you open up the accordion that Google gives you in Search Console, you'll see at the very bottom it'll say user-determined canonical and Google's canonical. And you really want to see, did Google actually choose the right canonical? Usually what it'll say is that Google has chosen uh, the same canonical. Most pages are canonicalized to themselves. But what's happening in this situation is that Google is just choosing random canonicals that aren't even connected. Now, um, So one example that we gave in newsletter was uh, somebody who had, uh, now these pages are both in French, but the situation is still the same. They had a site that had one set of pages for boys names if you're looking for ideas for naming your child boys names they had another page that was girls names and they had not set a canonical for either of these pages or it's possible they're self-canonicalized I might have that wrong but when you look in google search console it says that um the, uh, even though the source code for the boys name page canonicalizes to itself Google search console says the boys name page is canonicalized to the girls name page and what that means is that when Google uh, shows these in search they only show the girls page and the boys page is essentially uh, dropped out of the search results which is not ideal so we don't know exactly what's happening here I manually checked, uh, I want to say about a hundred of our clients. And uh, I couldn't find an example of this happening in our client base. Now, that doesn't mean it's not happening because there's many, many tweets of uh, people um, tweeting at Google saying, look, we have this issue too. If you have this issue, you should tweet at either Danny Sullivan via the Google search liaison Twitter account or John Mueller and share your URL. The more information you can share on uh, which URL URLs are being canonicalized to which the easier I think it'll be for Google to figure out what's happening here. Now this is similar to something that happened before um, let's see oh yes Google is yeah so back in April of 2019, Back then, Google Webmasters tweeted, we're aware for some pages there's an issue where we may have selected an unrelated canonical URL. In turn, breadcrumb trails on mobile might reflect the unrelated URLs. In rare cases, it might prevent proper indexing. We've been fixing this and we'll update when fully resolved. So that was April 25th of 2019. And it looks like we're having the same issue today. So uh, I did hear rumblings of, uh, you know, maybe this is fixed. But then I saw even this morning, there were loads of people on Search Engine Roundtable. Uh, Barry Schwartz has a good article on what's happening here. Loads of people commenting that their pages have dropped out of the index and uh, that they think it's connected to this canonicalization thing. Now, what we don't know is if the update that uh, we were talking about that seems to have started september 21st is actually connected to the canonicalization issue it's possible we're going to wait for a little bit and let some dust settle before we uh, before we dig deeply into this situation because it's such a, a, a strange situation. And then there's even another uh, issue as well with Google News indexing. So if you are a Google News site and you are having trouble getting content indexed, then this is something that Google uh, is aware of. The Google Searchly is on account tweeted on September 28th. So that was Monday uh, afternoon. We have found an issue with indexing news content at the moment it began around 4 p.m uh, pacific time we're working to correct and we'll update when this is resolved and then they tweeted again uh, at 9:37 on september 28th p.m saying uh, that was eastern time saying that the news indexing issue has now been resolved If you go to that tweet, there are loads of replies to that tweet of people saying, but my content is still uh, not found, and the canonical is wrong, and things are just messed up. So what is Google doing? I don't know. But we'll keep an eye on it for you. Um, If you are having an issue here, so if you saw, see, not all sites that saw a drop on September 21st uh, to the 24th Uh, are having indexing issues. Uh, You know, I reviewed, uh, it was a past client of ours that reached out and said, hey, I saw big drops on September 24th, and I thought, all right, this is another example of a site that would be good for me to analyze, Uh, And I really can't see a reason as to why. Um, Now, I mean, things happen. Uh, There's random... Google makes changes to their search results all the time. But given that we have all of these issues, that we know there's Google News indexing issues, there's canonicalization issues, and then there's what could be separate, what could be connected to those, a potential algorithm update starting September 21st. There's a lot of stuff happening this week that could impact your ability to rank. So this is kind of... My job this week is, is to just get as much information on these topics as I can. And uh, if we can find more, if we can draw some connections, if we can uh, figure out what it is that's happening, then I'll have more information for you next week uh, on this podcast episode. Um, we don't have a whole lot else. There's a lot of good stuff in newsletter that, uh, I'm going to leave to newsletter because I actually want to get to, uh, the Q&A quicker this time because I think a lot of you are really enjoying, uh, the Q&A talk. Um, but let's, uh, let's see what else we can talk about from newsletter here. There was maybe a little bit of fluctuation in local rankings, uh, the, um, Local flux tool is showing just a little bit of change uh, between Thursday and Saturday of last week. So, again, this could be connected to all of these indexing issues. So, I, you know, we haven't dug into that in great detail just yet. Um, in our newsletter, uh, this week, there's some things I'm not going to touch in podcast, but we've got some really, really good tips on getting better reviews. If you are a, a local business, uh, we've got stuff on how to set up scroll depth tracking with Google tag manager. Um, really interesting stuff on how Bing is improving deep learning. I I debated on including this in podcast this week, but I'm going to hold off for now. But really, really interesting stuff that talks about how Bing is getting better at recognizing language. And you know, if Bing is getting better at this, then Google is getting better at it, which we already knew. We knew that Google is getting better at determining um, the relevancy of content, determining what it is that content's talking about. So we've got some interesting stuff in our newsletter episode, again, episode number 152 on uh, what's change there um And let's see where else we'll go from here. We also have some really, really good recommended reading. I don't talk about this a lot in podcasts, but in our newsletter, we link to some of what we thought were the best SEO articles this week. And if you're a premium member of our newsletter, which at this point it's eighteen dollars a month, it's you know it's not that expensive, but um, we spend a lot, a lot of time reviewing the best articles that were written each week and then summarizing the best points from these. It's kind of like Cliff's Notes for SEO articles. Um, And I do this for selfish reasons because if my team uh, are all summarizing the best SEO articles, then it builds knowledge for them, right? And so we're continually uh, building up knowledge amongst my team members based on all of the amazing stuff that you people have written for SEO. Um, One of the things I thought was really, really great this week was an article on HubSpot uh, by Pamela Bump that talks about how to earn backlinks. Now, we have tons of content all the time about how to earn backlinks. Um, You know, (laughs) the SEO community has gone through a lot of changes about building backlinks, right? Like, you know, years ago, we would find ways to create our own backlinks. And if you've been listening to me for more than a week, you know that we're not a fan of building your own backlinks for the most part. You want to get links uh, where people truly are recommending your content because that's the type of link that Google, wants to recognize. And as Google's getting better at understanding language, I believe they're getting better and better at determining which links are actually true recommendations for your content. So this article on HubSpot um, talks about the three types of articles that earn the most links. Uh, and so I, I want to share these. One of them was posts that are backed by original data. Uh, bonus if it can speak to a wide audience. So for example, Last week, I shared in podcast uh, about a post that Reboot Online did. They did a study talking about whether... using shared hosting can impact your rankings. And it was really interesting because I, I set out to uh, to disprove this and say, well, of course it can't have an impact. And they made a pretty convincing argument that uh, having low-quality, uh, low-cost hosting it, uh, could potentially impact your ability to rank. And, you know, if you're interested in that, then I would encourage you to listen to episode number 151 of um, podcast, where I talked in great detail about that. Um, but this is the type of post that uh, HubSpot's talking about, posts backed by original data. If you can do a study of some sort, this provides links. Like if you're if you're doing a study on things that are interesting in your industry, whether it's SEO or something else, those links that point to that study uh, are the type of link that I believe Google wants to count. If people are saying, look, this brand did this great study and we want to reference it, That's a link that Google would like to count, and I think it helps improve your page rank if you have uh, links that look like that. The second type of uh, post that this article says got the most links was thought leadership or expert interview posts, because people crave expert-level insight. And that's kind of what we try to do. Like, if an algorithm update comes out, you know, we just write, like, here's what we think is happening. Uh, And there's tons of people that have written about this canonical issue, and, um, you know, you may or may not read their stuff, but some people will read uh, our, what we've written on this because we're seen as experts in the industry. Um, if you are not an expert in your industry, then that's something where I would encourage you to reach out and try to find people who can write for you, who can write this thought provoking type of content that makes other people in your industry pay attention uh, because that can really, really uh, attract links and it can build up. Um, people's opinion of your brand, if more people think of you as a thought leader, as an expert, as somebody that they want to get information from, then that uh, speaks to your authoritativeness and really can help you to rank better on Google. Uh, And then the third type of article that tended to get a lot of links were posts that serve as a foundational ultimate guide. Uh, And so I remember um, a post that I wrote for Moz many years ago, I wrote the ultimate guide to you, using Google's disavow tool. And we still refer people to that guide, even though I wrote it, I want to say it was like 2013 or 2014. We still refer people to that guide. Uh, And it gets tons of links. I think when I wrote it, it was the top linked post um, on Moz for that year. Uh, And so ultimate guide posts can be super helpful. Uh, You know, and I would say if you're thinking of creating the ultimate guide to something, look at what's already out there. And I wouldn't, Produce an ultimate guide if there's already some fantastic stuff written on it. But if you have stuff that people are asking you questions for, actually, this is a good thing. I picked this tip up at a conference. I wish I could remember who shared it with me. Um, But if you have a customer service team at your business, then reach out to them and say, what are the questions that people come to us the most? What, what are people asking us all the time? And then create a guide surrounding that. So for example, actually, this is probably a good place to mention that we're going to be doing a webinar soon on link auditing. Uh, now, this is not actually an ultimate guide, but it probably could be. I could probably make this into a guide on how to do link audits. Um, and that's something that uh, you know, we're going to answer pretty much every question that people have, the questions that people ask us all the time. You know, people always ask things like, uh, I've disavowed a link, but yet I still see it in Search Console. Does that mean it wasn't disavowed? Which is not true. You, you still will see them in Search Console. Or should I be disavowing my guest post links? Things like that. If you are seen as an expert and you can create an ultimate guide uh, that would help other people in that area, then that's the type of thing that, thing that can create links as well. Uh, and I would much rather have that type of link, people saying, wow, this brand has this incredible guide. You guys should go read it, as opposed to, hey, I wrote a guest post, and by the way, here's my website. You, you can see that more people are going to click on something that's recommended. So guides are a, a good idea. Another thing that we have in recommended reading, there's there's several that I don't have time to, to cover all in the podcast episode. Um, is an article on first input delay on onely.com. This is part of the core web vitals and it can get super confusing. So uh, one of my team, one of my auditors, Alec Brownscombe, uh, came to me just recently and he said he wants to do more work in terms of core web vitals uh, because it's just so fascinating. Um, One of the things in core web vitals is a cumulative layout shift that if when people go to your website, uh, they're seeing, especially on mobile, if the content jumps around because, oh, all of a sudden ad is there Uh, and you know people don't like that type of thing that's a ranking factor soon Google has said that they're going to be the core web vitals are ranking factors as of some point in next year they're going to give us at least six months warning before that happens Um, but this article that we've uh, written about in newsletter really gives some very detailed information on these metrics. Uh, Stay tuned because I think um, we're going to be producing more stuff on understanding the core web vitals that I think will be really, really helpful uh, to a lot of you. Uh, Because these are very practical things that we can change. You know, you go into a website and, you know, some things are vague. If we're like, you know, let's add some author bios and let's add some schema and do some things that we think would boost your EAT. And maybe that will help and in a lot of cases it does Um, but working on core web vitals should really have a dramatic impact for sites that have issues with core web vitals so uh, I would definitely recommend spending more time in that area. Let's get on to a few questions here because some of you are submitting questions for me to answer and I love it. Uh, I think the more we can do this, the more it'll help people because if you have a question about something in SEO, then there's somebody else who has that same question. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I would like Marie to look at my website, but I'm afraid that she's going to make fun of me or that, you know, it's going to be too awful to look at. Well, you know, get over it because we all want to have better websites. We all, you know, most, of us uh, that have websites, we make money from our websites and we want to make more money. And so if it takes somebody coming in and and nitpicking a little bit, then, you know, maybe that'll make you more money and it'll be worthwhile. Um, If you want to submit a website for me to look at or add a question for me to look at, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can tweet at the MHC underscore Inc Twitter account and our social lead summer will uh, bring that to my attention. And I'll, you know, if it's a good question, I'll add it to podcast or um, you, there's a form that you can fill out on any of our newsletter episodes uh, that will uh, allow you to submit your question as well. So this first question comes from Michelle. And Michelle says, we haven't focused on SEO until about a year ago and have seen big improvements since we started focusing on it. Our goal is to rank for our category pages. Any tips on how to rank higher on our category pages? Our strategy is the meta description." text on the page good content linking to the category pages throughout our site any other tips or anything you're noticing uh okay so category pages um have huge potential for ranking. And I see so many people that create these horrible category pages, because if you use something like WordPress or, you know, another CMS that, uh, can make these out of, uh, usually what they'll do is, you know, you'll tag posts as, all right, this is in this category and this is in this category. And then your category page is essentially a big title and then a list of posts, which are not that helpful. So we really recommend um, for a category page, you really want to make it this hub of here's where you go to get information on this topic, um, and then the category page links out to many spokes that talk about those topics. So for example, um, you know we have a page on our website uh, that talks about EAT. And that would be, that could be a very good hub page. And then we have many other little blog posts that also talk about different components of EAT. Um, Now, we couldn't put all of that into one article because I think it's already like 5,000 words or something like that. Uh, And so if we just continually added onto that article, it would be a book, essentially. Um, So as we write little, uh, supporting posts that talk about EAT, we will link back to our main post, which in your case would be your, your category page on the topic. Um, and so one of the things that I would recommend is if you do this, then, uh, Pay close attention to the internal uh, anchor text that you're using for these links. Um, And really, don't be afraid to use keywords. I see so many people who, uh, you know, say, well, I don't want to use keywords because Google doesn't like that. Where Google has issue with keywords used as anchor text is when you're creating your own external links, not internal links. So if you wrote a guest post, if I wrote a guest post and I linked back to my site with Uh, you know, SEO site audits as the anchor text. That's an attempt at manipulation. And um, Google doesn't like that. But... If you rank internally, so if I had a page on my own website and I was talking about the fact that we do site audits, I could link internally with that keyword uh, rich anchor text. And that is not only accepted by Google, but it's recommended. Google has a a blog post, actually it's a a guide on how to do SEO, and they have a whole section on recommendations for linking. And they do recommend that you link with keyword rich anchor text. Anchor text that actually describes the page that you're linking to. So one of the things that we like to do when we're looking at optimizing uh, internal links, especially to category pages, is to look at competitors. And we like to use, uh, for this, my favorite tool for this is SiteBulb. Uh, I like to crawl um, competitors' pages and then look at the page that's competing against our client. And what SiteBulb will show you is what anchor text uh, all of the internal links use pointing to that page. And sometimes you can find some really interesting stuff. Like one of these clients we noticed that uh, 80% of the time when they link to this page, they use a particular keyword, and it's a keyword that we hadn't thought of that hadn't come up in our keyword research as one that we would want to, um, to be uh, featuring, but we realized like it was actually really smart to use this, and so we changed a bunch of our internal links uh, to reflect that keyword as well, and actually saw a boost in rankings for that keyword. Um, so looking at competitors can be a good idea, But you have to be careful because competitors don't always get things right. So you don't want to just blindly copy uh, those competitors. Um, in terms of category pages, we usually refer people to a guide that Cyrus Shepard wrote on his site, Zippy.com, Z-Y-P-P-Y, or Z if you are American, Zippy.com, um, slash rank-category-pages. And Cyrus has a, a fantastic guide on how to create uh, really, really good category pages. Um, another thing I would say is make really good use of headings on the category page, Uh, we see a lot of people that have these just massive walls of text, which used to work fine when you were mostly just concerned about whether search engines could see that you had certain words on your page, Uh, but massive walls of text don't work well for readers. So if you want to make sure you you really, your goal is to produce content that people actually want to read and that people find it helpful and making good use of headings, making descriptive headings, uh, can really help with that as well. Um, I think we'll leave it at that. There's more we could say on category pages. I would really encourage you to read Cyrus's guide because you'll, you'll find uh, a lot more information in that as well. This is a really uh, interesting question here. Um, this was a client of ours that reached out and gave us a screenshot showing search console. Uh, and they said, there's more impressions this year. So we were looking at year over year data, more impressions in 2020 better average ranking position but lower click through rate and fewer clicks Um, and so uh, basically they said we've noticed a weird phenomenon in the past few months where the gap between impressions and clicks has widened substantially and I would imagine a lot of you are seeing this now um, I'm not going to share who this uh, site is I don't think it will benefit anybody to know that and I'll protect our clients anonymity but I did look up uh, this site on SEMrush and one of the things that I did was look at um, in 2020, so September 2020, one of the things that SEMrush will show you is which of your keywords are uh, producing SERPs that have some type of a feature in it. Uh, So an example would be maybe there's an image pack or there's site links, we just talked about those. Um, Maybe there are people also ask boxes, maybe there's uh, frequently asked questions. Um, And when I looked at, I I wish you could see what uh, is in front of me right now, I don't have this in newsletter, but when I looked at the list of keywords that you're ranking for, uh, and I looked, I set the date in SEMrush back to September of last year. And you can see that, you know, some of the, the queries that you rank for had image packs um, showing a couple of them had, uh, let's see here, I don't know what that one represents, but a couple of them had featured snippets, but like most of them really didn't have many SERP features. When I did the same thing looking at uh, September of 2020, as opposed to last year, we can see that pretty much every main keyword that you rank for has uh, major SERP features, has uh, an image pack. Sometimes you're in the image pack. Sometimes you're not. Um, people also ask frequently asked questions, video carousels. There's tons of things. So imagine that you have a keyword where you're ranking at number seven for that keyword. If somebody does a Google search for that keyword, um, what John Mueller has said is that if you are on the first page, even if somebody doesn't scroll down, you're still going to get an impression for this, right? So even if you're number seven, if you do a search, uh, somebody does a, a search for that keyword, that counts as an impression for you, even if they hadn't scrolled down to see it. Now, if there are more SERP features, then they have to scroll more. So in the past, I would do this search and I would go, oh, you're ranking number seven. And I you know, would scroll down a tiny little bit and go, all right, I, this, is, this is maybe a good result for me. I'll click on this number seven result here. But now I've got to scroll past uh, a bunch of ads, a bunch of images, people also ask, frequently asked questions, and maybe these actually ga- capture my attention and I'm going to click on them. So in that situation, you'd still get the impression because I did the search and you appeared on the first page. But I haven't, uh, I had too many things to distract me. And so you were going to get fewer clicks. So I think, you know, this is a tough thing. What what can you do to fight that? Uh, What I would do is be looking specifically at each keyword and go, all right, uh, this keyword now has a a featured snippet, which maybe that hasn't happened in the past. And then figure out how can we win that featured snippet? We've talked lots about that in the past. Um, I think... uh, Uh, I can't remember which episode it is. It's the very first one when we moved to mariehaines.com. We did a post on challenging you to get more featured snippets. And although things have changed dramatically a fair amount over the last couple of years. The basics are still there. You know, Write your content in a way that Google would be happy to provide this as a featured snippet, and often that will work. And there's many other things you can do as well. Um, so I would say try to get into some of these SERP features. Uh, if you're not ranking on image search... And you know there, there's now there's an image carousel, well, then maybe you need to be optimizing your images and looking at your alt attributes that you're using uh, and where your image is positioned on the page and what um, text is surrounding your image. Uh, give Google as many signals as you can to, to say, look, that our image is actually really relevant to this search, uh, and I think that you can get more clicks there. But there's not much you can do to fight against the fact that Google is uh, competing against you. Um, Because Google's goal is to provide people with uh, the easiest way to get to their answer. Uh, And if they've decided that that's not your website, it's going to be hard to fight against that. Um, Let's move on here to this little mini site audit. Uh, So we've been doing this for the last few weeks, and it's gotten really, really good attention. So um, thank you for those of you who have submitted a site. Uh, This site uh, was submitted by Kathy. And the site is called I Love My Chi." com. I don't know if you say chi, chi, C-H-I, all one word. I love my, as in chihuahua.com. So let's talk about chihuahuas. Most of you listening to this probably know that I am a veterinarian. It's been over eight years now since I practiced. So uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm not up to date on. I'm actually, uh, we have a sick cat at home right now. And um, as soon as I'm done podcast today, we're going to be taking him to the vet, which is a really weird experience for me because uh, I usually am the vet, <laughs> but um, hopefully he'll, he'll be all right. So, uh, so Kathy has this uh, website on chihuahuas, and uh, it's really good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, but there's some things that I would recommend that uh, we make changes on here. First of all, it took me forever to figure out what your last name was. Now, uh, and then I looked and I saw that when you submitted the site, you submitted your last name. Um, But on your website, it does not say your last name. Uh, As far as I could see, I I really like um, on the homepage, uh, you've got a box that says, hi, I'm Kathy. I'm an avid dog lover and I've had many dogs throughout my life. When I rescued my first chihuahua, I was hooked on the breed. So that's good. That's a, a good place to start. But I would love to see more EAT related information in there. I'd love to see. Just one more line that says, I've been a pet sitter for this many years. I've, you know, I, 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 I sussed you out. I I looked at, I found your about page um, and, uh, there's more stuff on your about page that I think should go into this little uh, author bio. Um, but you want to actually give practical things to say, yeah, sure. I've owned chihuahuas, but I've owned them for years. I've been involved in these rescue things. I've like, you need to be building up, um, EAT so that people look at this and go, well, this is not just some woman who has a chihuahua who wants to share her knowledge. Like she has lots of knowledge. That's the, um, the impression that you want to get across. Now, there's another reason for putting your last name on your website. Um, I think putting it on your About page is probably enough. Uh, And I would recommend that you use Schema as well to mark up what your name is. Um, And that's because uh, EAT is basically Google connecting entity information across the web. And if Google says, well, uh, who is this Kathy person? Who is she to write about chihuahuas? We don't have any reference to her anywhere. And then when you put your last name on, um, you know, Now their algorithms can say, oh, this is the same Kathy who has all these social followers and has been mentioned in all these different places. I'm assuming you've had mentions. I, I did put your name into Google News. Uh, didn't see much. Um, that's actually something I would recommend is finding ways to get interviewed. Harrow is a great way to do that. You can find journalists who are looking to interview people who have information about dogs or specifically about chihuahuas and get mentioned And as Google's algorithms see, oh, all these other experts around the web are mentioning Kathy in regards to chihuahuas. She must have EAT in regards to chihuahuas, and then they'll start to rank you better. So this is something where we actually, I've talked about this a lot, so I'm not going to go into great detail, but we had one client a couple of years ago where we uh, had a similar issue. You know, Google just couldn't figure out who their brand was because they had rebranded. And uh, we made the signals very clear by by the use of schema, by changes on their about page, um, and, and a number of other things. And uh, and their rankings just skyrocketed uh, with the next core update. So I really would encourage you to start creating information about yourself as an entity, uh, so that people go, yes, Kathy is the person we need to talk to when I want information about chihuahuas. Now, this next part is going to be a little bit hard. I see you have uh, articles written on medical subjects and. You don't have the EAT to write on medical subjects. And this potentially could hurt your website. So I did a search on uh, SEMrush again to look at uh, what are your top keywords that are bringing traffic to your site. And none of your top keywords are medical in nature. Um, there's a lot about different breeds and different colors of chihuahua. I see baby chihuahua, fawn chihuahua, uh, fat chihuahua, black chihuahua, chocolate chihuahua. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's making me laugh. Chocolate chihuahua, white chihuahua, <laughs> things like that. I don't know why that made, made me laugh. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that Google likes to rank your website for information about chihuahuas as a breed. But I have issue with uh, some of the medical-related posts. Number one, uh, I just looked at a couple of them. I looked at one on an article on Thanksgiving foods that dogs can and can't eat. And there's it's not bad the information there's decent information in there but there are no references at all so if you're going to write at all on giving medical advice nutrition advice things that people normally would go to a veterinarian for um you need to be really really careful in referencing those and it's not enough to just reference your own website or like another blogger friend that you have that writes on these things google really wants to see that you're referencing uh, reputable sources so um you know, I really liked the uh, uh, the part in that article that talked about yeast dough and how dogs can't eat yeast. I'll tell you a story. When I was uh, practicing, I was used to do emergency work, and we had this guy come in one day with this uh, yellow lab, this big, huge yellow lab. And the dog's abdomen looked like a barrel, like he was just bloated. Uh, and so what happened was uh, they were making pizza. And they had two rolls of pizza dough sat out on the counter to rise. And then they turned around and the pizza dough was gone. So if any of you own a lab, you know that that's a rule. You can't have any food on the counter because your dog's going to eat it if it smells remotely like food. Uh, And so this dog ate two massive rolls of pizza dough that was still trying to rise. And then it was rising in his stomach. And the symptoms were, uh, I mean, they were cool for me to analyze but not cool for the dog Um, the symptoms almost are like a dog acting as if they're intoxicated Uh, I think that the um, it, it has something to do with ammonia and the liver's ability to to break that down Uh, But you absolutely do not want your dogs eating pizza dough, which is something that you've put in your article. Like, you don't have wrong information in your article, but you don't have references. One uh, thing, now, I say there's not wrong information, but there's information that could be confusing to some people. So, for example, uh, the article says, if your dog consumed onion, seek veterinary care immediately. Um, Now it's true onion can be toxic to dogs, uh, but there's a lot of factors there So if you had a big lab who ate a couple of tiny pieces of onion, it's not gonna matter to the dog if you have a chihuahua that ate an entire onion, that could be fatal. It could be very, very serious. So somebody reading this post is saying, well, the post says if my dog consumed onion, I need to go to the vet immediately. But that's not necessarily true, right? Like if somebody just ate a, a dog ate a couple tiny pieces, is really not going to cause any big issues. Um, so what, what do you, why is this important writing about medical topics? Um, this is a mandate of Google's that they want to make it so that, because there's so much bad information online in regards to uh, medical topics. Um, And, we have a, a whole uh, article on scientific consensus, which I would I would urge you to seek that out, um, talking about uh, what Google says in their quality raters guidelines, about the fact that if there's medical information, we really want to see medical information that's widely accepted by the scientific community uh, as, as valid. And we really want to see that all medical references are um, are, are referenced, are, are up to date. And um, so if somebody who's not a veterinarian who, uh, I, I mean, I, I do believe you've got got some experience. You've owned Chihuahuas a long time, uh, but you don't have the expertise to talk on on medical topics. Uh, And so we believe, I don't have proof for this, but we believe that Google does have algorithms that determine, whoa, this site is lacking EAT, is talking medical uh, topics, lacking references. We do not want to rank this site for YMYL queries. And I believe that there's two things that you can do here. Well, three things. One is be careful about what you're writing about. I would really take a look at what keywords are bringing people to your website and then focus on that content. You know, focus on the content that you're actually ranking well for and look at who's ranking, uh, you know, well with you and see what do they have that I'm lacking? How can I make this even better? And I would focus on that. Um, So secondly, if Google sees that there's enough uh, unsubstantiated medical claims on a website, we do believe that that can cause the entire website to have troubles ranking. Um, And so the second thing that you can do is uh, add references wherever possible and try to reference reputable sources. Again, uh, reference uh, sites like the, you know, uh, 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 it's escaping me now, but authoritative sites that talk about uh, poison control, uh, the uh, uh, AHA, things like that. and those will be, and and also uh, actual studies as well can really contribute as well. And the third thing that I think could be very helpful helpful for you is to actually connect with a veterinarian who you can quote for these things. So if you're doing uh, an article on what animals, you know, what foods animals can eat or can dogs eat uh, this at Thanksgiving time, then get a quote from a veterinarian. Now that might be tricky to do, and you actually want to get quotes from vets that Google recognizes as vets as well, Um, but you you can do that through Harrow again but the other way so you can actually use Harrow as a journalist and say look I'm looking for a veterinarian to connect with and there are vets who are doing SEO for their websites and would be very happy to give you a quote as long as you link to uh, to their website um, and so that's something that may help Google's algorithms say ah now this website actually has a qualified veterinarian who's giving this medical advice maybe we should pay closer attention to it um, there's probably Probably lots of other things we could look at as well. I'll I'll say this. I'm probably going to say this every week. When we do a full site review, uh, it takes us a good two to three weeks to do that. Uh, But those are some of the things that... that stood out to me as things that could be improved. I actually really would love to see what happens once you put your last name on your uh, website. And I know it's hard. Uh, The quality raters do talk about how some websites, it makes sense for them to be anonymous, but there's a line that says something like, if there's no reason for anonymity, then that's a bad thing, (laughs) basically. Um, And so I'd love to see what happens once uh, you add information about who you are, add schema, uh, and start to get a few authoritative mentions. I think you could really, really see your uh, traffic do significantly better than it is now. So please let me know. uh, And it might take another core update before you see that. Um, And given that it's been, so the last core update we had was May. And uh, I don't know if what we saw in late September was a core update. Lately, Google's been telling us uh, whether it's core update, so I don't think it is. Uh, But if there's another core update that happens soon, you may need to wait till the next one in order for Google to uh, grab that information and, and rank you higher. I think we'll end it there. I think that was a really interesting episode. I'm sorry that I can't uh, tell you exactly what's going on with Google and their updates and their indexing issues, but it is a priority for us. We're looking into that. And if you have any information you want to tweet at me, go for it, Marie underscore Haynes. Um, and I'd be happy to uh, uh, to hear your thoughts on what uh, Google has been doing lately. So I'm uh, I'm gonna call it a day soon. I got a couple little administrative things to do, and then, like I said, we've got to take our cat to the vet. I really hope He's all right he's uh yeah cat when cats are sick their symptoms can be anything like cats when they're sick all they do is they just lie there no matter what. He could have a mild respiratory virus or he could be in renal failure and about to die. And the symptoms will be exactly the same. So I'm, uh, you know, we're going to get some blood work done and probably some x-rays and hopefully he's all right because uh, he's a pretty cool cat. Um, so I hope that uh, you were not strongly affected by these Google changes or maybe you were and it was good. May I hope that you were affected and that you had a good week and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.